Amen. Let's thank God for the victory we have in Him. And good morning, Christ Church. My name is Brian Beemans. I'm the lead pastor here and uh, just excited um, for the opportunity uh, to learn in the ways that I believe God wants us to learn through the message this morning. And so uh, get your Bibles uh, open to Habakkuk. We're back in Habakkuk chapter 1. And um, as you turn in your Bible, I just want to remind you as you're uh, getting to the right place in Habakkuk, um, this morning we have, uh, we have uh, 72 of our students are at camp this weekend, so thrilled uh, for the work that's happening up there. I'm hearing great reports back and uh, just so thankful for the opportunity that we have to, to get our students away and to sort of pour uh, the gospel and uh, gospel community into them and uh, just praying that they uh, come back just uh, excited for the Lord and maybe uh, just the work of the worship and the word just connecting with them a bit more deeply. So uh, please be praying for that. Um, also next weekend, uh, we have a number of our women going on the retreat, and so um, I don't know if you know this, um, but uh, the women who love Jesus and want to serve, servant leaders in our church, they carry a lot of weight around the weekend service, and so I might be a bit intimidated, okay, for next weekend with some of those ladies leaving, and so um, next weekend we're going to have our K-5 through five, uh, join us in the service. In addition to that, uh, Pastor Jeremy is preaching because I'm serving in children's ministry. Okay, so if you got little kids, I'm going to be in there just wrecking some kids, feeding them lots of candy, and then sending them home with you. Sorry, dads. Um, fully supporting our women at every point, and men, if your wife is going and you're like, am I on the schedule next week? Uh, yes, you are, okay? So find a place to serve. We need an all-in sort of weekend, uh, calling men just to kind of step up, and uh, it is so good, so good. I was talking to a few women that are going uh, before the service, and it's so good for the women who carry so much weight and responsibility um, in, in our homes and in our lives to have a weekend away just to focus on the Lord and be refreshed. And so excited for that next week. And so I just want to pray for the finish of the, of the student retreat and for our women's retreat and then for the message this morning. So pray with me. God, I'm asking... Um, as I've been asking this weekend, that you would just continue the work that you ordained uh, for this weekend in the lives of our students. And uh, Father, you know, um, as my uh, wife is serving up there and as my uh, three of my children are there, God, I'm asking on behalf, as a, uh, I'm asking you as a parent um, that you would just continue the work of uh, multiple different people in the midst of of the body of Christ just pouring into uh, our students. And we just pray that you would protect the deposit that has been uh, poured into their heart this weekend and that you would bear the fruit and that you'd receive the praise. And Father, for next weekend, I just pray for our women's retreat and thank you for the faithfulness of so many women who are serving in significant ways to pull that retreat off and for the women who are attending. God, let it be a time of refreshing. And so we just trust you with that. A believing God in all that you're doing in the timing that you call us to it. We pray for this message as we uh, look back at Habakkuk and we uh, want to understand more, God, about um, what you call us to do in the midst of dark times. And so would you lead us this morning by your grace and for your glory. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, we all know the scenario that plays out um, when you uh, receive the phone call and the person on the other uh, end 
uh, tells you that it'd probably be best if you sat down before they shared the news. We um, understand at, at times um, what it's like to feel like I'm in a dark time. Maybe it's the a pile of bills that you're looking at on your table, not knowing where to begin, or looking at a doctor as the word terminal comes out of his mouth. It could be watching your child reject Jesus and his word. It could be the feelings of pain when you're wrestling through an enduring disease with no cure. It could be fresh memories of, of, of the pain of abuse or rejection or neglect that seem to wash over your heart and life sort of in an unpredictable way. These moments of pain and suffering and death uh, cannot be avoided in this life. We all are familiar at times with uh, moments in our life, seasons and times when it just seems dark. It just seems dark. And there are many in the midst of, of dark times, there's so many ways to respond in an unhealthy way, right? Like we see this, maybe there's times when we've gotten to a bad place and been like, that was not healthy, God help me. And God's word gives us, invites us to, teaches us some healthy ways to respond in dark times. Habakkuk's going to show us a healthy biblical response to dark times in this passage right now, and it is lament. It is lament. So many of us don't even understand the definition of that word because unfortunately it has been highlighted not often enough in the midst of the church. Lament is this, this is the definition. Lament is a full emotional expression of sadness and grief in response to dark times. It's not muted. It's not withheld. It's not rushed. There's, there, there's no guilt or, or feeling of, of, of sadness or grief associated with it. It's expected. It's expected. Space is given for it in Scripture and should be given for it in our lives. When you learn to lament biblically, as we're going to talk about today, it helps you stand strong and with your soul standing firm right in the midst of dark times. So let's review first Habakkuk 1 verses 1 through 4. Now we talked about in that message that God welcomes your questioning. The wrestling and the, the uh, this doesn't feel right. Then in Habakkuk 1, 5 through 11, we talked about how God reveals the punishment of exile. And how God is raising up the Babylonians to take his people into exile. And we learned broadly through all of scripture how God works in and through exile. But Habakkuk at this point, does not see through a New Testament lens on the suffering that God's people are about to face. He, he, he sees what's coming, and it's just bad news. And as a result, the anticipation of this bad news and how in the world, God, are you going to work through this is the dark time that he is in. Next, after God talks about this exile and what's going to happen, look in verse 12. Habakkuk responds, Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? We shall not die. O Lord, you have ordained them as a judgment, and you, O Rock, have established them for reproof. 
you who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong, why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? He continues. You make mankind like the fish of the sea, like crawling things that have no ruler. He brings all of them up with a hook. He drags them out with his net. He gathers them in his dragnet, so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net and makes offerings to his dragnet, for by them he lives in luxury and his food is rich. Is he then to keep on emptying his net and mercilessly killing nations forever? And then verse 1 of chapter 2. I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. The big move for the message, and uh, there's just no way around it when you preach through God's word, um, heavy message, but here's here's the big move. During dark times, learn to lament. Learn to lament. Habakkuk, honestly, in his expression of lament in this passage, it can be a grace to us. I believe a grace to some this morning who have not learned to lament and so are walking in unhealthy ways. And what Habakkuk does for us is he teaches us how to lament and we see three lessons in this passage on how to lament. And wherever you're at this morning, whether you're in the midst of pain and suffering or certainly all of us at some point in this life are going to face that, we need to be a people that have learned to lament and are practicing that in our lives. Not just for our own soul, but for the way we walk alongside other people who are going through pain and suffering. So let's learn together. I know I need to learn this more deeply. First lesson, this. Affirm your confidence in God's character. Habakkuk is wrestling, we know that. We're fully aware of that from verses one through four and this passage. And here's why. Habakkuk is certainly wrestling. If you understand the history of God's people, as I talked about two weeks ago, um, you, Habakkuk knew. He had seen what had happened with the exile that had happened in the northern kingdom. He saw the carnage of the exile. He saw families broken apart as some were taken into exile and some were remaining. He understood that, and he's burdened by the same judgment coming for the southern kingdom by the hand of the Babylonians. But look where he starts in his lament to God over his judgment. Look where he starts. Look in verse 12. He affirms his confidence in God's character. See it in the text. He goes, are you not from everlasting? He's declaring there that God's eternal One commentator wrote, God was from eternity, and from eternity he had settled on a purpose. And Habakkuk trusted him. He's like, you're from everlasting. You're outside of time. You're the only one that can make sense of all of it. You are from everlasting. Then he says, oh oh, oh Lord, oh Lord, this this is the, the Yahweh word. It's the primary name for God. And what he's saying here is he's reaffirming that I am in covenant relationship with you. I'm still using your first name. I'm still declaring it to you. Then he says, my God, Elohim, the originator and the ruler over the whole universe, 
It's possessive to show his submission to God. My God, my God, I'm submitted to you. You created it all. You rule over it all. I trust you. Then my holy one, and, and the Hebrew word there is kadosh, not to be confused with skadosh from Kung Fu Panda. My holy one, God is holy. His ways and his will are perfect, perfect. Then he says, O Lord, you have ordained them as a judgment. Here he's declaring God's sovereignty, that his control in all things is to be trusted. Even the judgment that was coming for God's people, God's in control. He finishes his little worship song here. And you, O rock, have established them for reproof. The word rock there towards God is saying that in the midst of the unknown, in the midst of what's coming that I don't want to see, you are strong and stable and secure. I'm secured in you. Yes, Habakkuk is lamenting the judgment that God is going to bring to his people. He saw the judgment as a response to their rebellion. He sees it rightly as judgment and reproof. But what he does is, as he's looking at that, the first thing that he does is he stirs God's goodness into the bitterness of what was coming. I, I watch how people respond to bitter things. I don't, I don't drink coffee, but um, clearly people think coffee is too bitter. Right? Like, I see it all the time. People get a cup of coffee, they're like, pour out half of it. Like, creamer, sugar. I'm like, you just made a dessert. Don't mess with me. I know what you're doing. And you stir it up so that you can drink it. You need something to balance the bitter taste of the coffee so that you can drink the cup of coffee and get your needed caffeine buzz to survive the day or my sermon. I'm not sure which one, but I'm going to lean towards the former. It's the same move, though, that Habakkuk's doing with the bitter cup that's been poured out into his life. When, when, when the sovereign hand of God pours you a bitter cup of pain and suffering, that's the cup you've been given. It, it's the cup that you have to drink. All of us, different cups. Different kinds of bitter coffee's been poured into the cup of our lives, and we are called to walk in it, to drink it, and just remember to do what Habakkuk did. He poured in a, a, a healthy portion of God's character into the bitter cup and he stirred it up with great affection. By mixing in the sweetness and the rich flavor of God's character, you can temper the bitterness and receive more easily what God has called you to. Not that it's going to be easy, I said more easily. Receive the cup the Lord has given you. But don't drink it without first affirming your confidence in God's character. Don't try to run from God in it. Don't try to be angry or bitter towards God or the cup will only grow more bitter. It will only grow more bitter. 
and the cup will last longer and have a greater acute bitterness if you try to run from the cup that God's given you or run from God in the midst of it. The first lesson, though, if we want to learn to lament is affirm your confidence in God's character, what has been shown in great detail throughout all of the past realities of what God has done and let that settle into the bitter cup that God has poured out into your life. Affirm your confidence in God's character. That's the first lesson. Second lesson is this. Express your complaints with authenticity. I don't know about your story, but I am very thankful that um, in my growing up as a believer, particularly in the early years, I was surrounded by people who were um, incredibly authentic with their complaints and their wrestling. Is I'm just I'm thankful for that. Um, and uh, when you see this, though, what Habakkuk expresses, this feels a little uncomfortable, even for someone who's comfortable with it. Did you notice the words that he uses here? He starts by saying, you who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong. And then he just, he just goes off. Why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? And he's, he's like, the Babylonians are going to swallow us up and take us into exile. But isn't this the complaint that we hear all the time, sometimes even within the context of the church? We're like, why God? Why did you take that person early? They were doing so much good for you. Why? Why would you allow evil people to take the life of one of your people? How can people favored by God suffer in devastating ways? Habakkuk's walking us right into it. He doesn't blush. He doesn't hesitate. He just lays out his complaint to God. And he doesn't stop. He's like, God, you made all the people. And you're treating them like random fish in the sea and like bugs on the ground. It's like you're treating your creation with total disregard. You bring them up by a hook. You put them in the net. You live in this place of luxury with rich food. And you empty the net and do it again. And then he finishes with a brutally raw question in verse 17. He says there, look at it. Is he then to keep on emptying his net and mercilessly killing nations forever? I was uncomfortable reading it. Habakkuk's complaint is bold. There is a, there is a raw honesty in it that I think uh, makes us uncomfortable. And I think the reason why this level of expressing deep, like a deep sense of, I'm troubled over this. This, this, isn't, this doesn't feel good. What, what Habakkuk does for us is he introduces a category of communication with God that I think we need to understand is okay. And the category of communication with God is godly complaint godly complaint. I'm not talking about complaining to your parents. I'm not talking about complaining to one another. 
Okay, that tends to separate things. I'm talking about taking your complaint in a godly way and taking it to the throne of God. Godly complaint just isn't here in Habakkuk, by the way. Um, how about Psalm 10? Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Psalm 22, 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Heard again on the cross. Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Psalm 44, 23. Awake! Why are you sleeping, O Lord? And, and we hear that. And the writer of the Psalms and Habakkuk does not believe that God is sleeping, but the reality of the pain and suffering they're feeling and the injustice that they feel and, and the way it hurts causes them to express something that suggests that that is actually the reality. Because there's an honesty to the complaint. There's an authenticity to it. And in the Psalms, church, these were songs that were sung in worship. Like, to give a voice to people who are in the midst of pain and suffering, to give them a voice and an invitation to authentically express it to God. Why is godly complaint not more common in the church? Why is, why is, the, why is the emotion, even in expressing it in a message like this, feel so uncomfortable? It's, it's, it's not... It's not received easily and it's uncomfortable because we haven't really learned to lament. I, I think that in my life and in your life, I, I think there are moments when we don't feel like we have the freedom to do that. Where we don't believe that we have permission to express our complaints with authenticity to God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, listen I, I agree. Uh, don't be a person that's complaining when it means to other people. The sort of whining and complaining, I think, is the tone of that. The tone here is an authentic wrestling with what's come into my life or what's coming into my life. And complaining to God in this spirit is welcomed. It's godly complaint. I love what Mark Vrogop said in his recent book, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. He wrote this. It clarifies it for me and is very helpful. Follow along with me. Many people I know fall into one of two camps when walking through suffering, anger or denial. Some people are so filled with anger at God that they live in a self-made prison of despair and bitterness for the rest of their lives. Their pain gives rise to rage and their spiritual life is never the same. Still others seem to think that godliness means a new form of stoicism. They project an air of contentment that feels like denial. Here's the path we take. You, you receive the cup of suffering. Some move towards anger. I, I, as I thought through this in my own life and in other people's that I've walked alongside and counseled almost every time, I see one, or, one, one of the two moves too often. It's anger where you're just like fist raised at God and you hold on to that because you've expressed it in such an unhealthy way that it just continues to stir it within you and you cannot escape the identity of your suffering. You begin to identify as a victim. There's an anger. There's an edge. There's a sort of, a sort of tone to your approach to life because of what's come. And then very, very common in the context of the church is there's the choice of denial. And denial is like, 
God's good. God's so good. I, I, no, I, I don't really want to talk about it, but God's just good. God's good. And like the fake sort of spiritual smile comes on because the person doesn't feel like they have a, a safe space to really express their grief or they don't believe that God welcomes it. And so they wrestle sort of with their suffering sort of behind their back. And some who are more wise and discerning and honestly some who have learned to lament can see it behind their back. It's there. Just express it. It's okay. And what God wants us to do is not to walk in either one of the two extremes that are going to lead to unhealth. God wants you to walk in this category of biblical complaint. Because here's the reality. God welcomes your questions and frustrations while your faith remains anchored to the character and promises of God. Because, church, we understand, like, since this moment in the history of Israel, like, there have been no interruption of pain and suffering and tragedy in our world. And when the reality of these things crash into your life, we want to avoid anger or denial and instead express your complaints with authenticity. Because the authentic language of godly complaining releases the emotion before the God who can handle it. And when that God can authentically meet you in the midst of that suffering, you can begin to process through it with the only one who really understands. And you can release the anger and you can bring it out of the darkness into the light. And in this place, in a healthy way, we can learn to lament. See, instead of um, uh, uh, hiding like it's not an issue and not talking about it or, 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 or rushing with anger towards it and not talking about it in a healthy way, instead I find a healthy way and I keep the communication channel open between me and God. That's the key. That's the key. And not just a key for your life, but it's, it's the key for us to understand how to lovingly walk alongside people in the midst of pain and suffering. Some of you, just through the permission to pray in a, new, uh, in a new way and to learn to lament, can walk alongside people in suffering. You can give voice to their heart. You can weep with those who weep by praying prayers of lament alongside them and you can minister to them deeply and you can lead them to biblical complaint through your example. Express your complaints with authenticity. During dark times, learn to lament. And then finally this. Final lesson, wait confidently for God to answer. Chapter 2, verse 1. I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. Final lesson, wait confidently for God to answer. <laughs> Habakkuk? His resilience is so admirable. It is a lesson for us. He is communicating here in figurative language this idea that he is standing at his watch post. So he is still, throughout this entire lament, he is fully and completely engaged with God. 
and now he's, he's giving us this picture of, I'm, I love this picture because it's, it's a picture of security. He's going up on the watchtower, uh, and, and it would have been a place where there would have been a post to watch out. And so there's two things that I thought about when I saw this picture of what he's saying in his prayer to God, is he's saying, I'm going to go up to a place that's secure. He would have been up on the walls, the walls of defense around a city. And in that spot, not only was it secure, but it was a place where he could get perspective. And so now he can look out and he can go, on behalf of God's people, in the midst of what I know is coming, I'm going to stand up there and I'm going to watch for what's coming and I am going to stand with confidence knowing that my God is going to answer us. He's going to answer me right now in the midst of what I'm sharing. I'm going to have perspective on it. And he's waiting on behalf of God's people to hear from God. And I wrote down in my notes as I was considering deeply this, this verse. And I just noted Habakkuk's sweet humility and his bold hope. His sweet humility and his bold hope. Because when I'm in the midst of pain and suffering and wrestling with my emotions, I need a sweet humility and a bold hope. I want to anticipate a conversation continuing with me and God. I want to stand waiting. I don't want to run away from God or I don't want to raise my fist at Him with accusation. I want to continue to engage. I want to have a a confidence that says, God, I'm waiting here for you to respond and I know that you will answer me. In this life or in the next, I know with certainty that you will answer me. It's so healthy, church, for us to follow this model that Habakkuk shows us in the midst of pain and suffering. As many of you know already, um, this past week, uh, Paul Spoolman passed away. Now, Paul and his wife, Judy, have been regular attenders at our church for a while. Paul's daughter, uh, Stacy Rosine, is our children's ministry director here, so this loss has uh, certainly struck a close to home in our church family and in our staff family. Our hearts are mourning with their family. Um, the funeral was on Friday. Last Sunday, uh, Pastor Jeremy and I had the privilege of spending time with, uh, with, with Paul before he passed away early Tuesday morning. During our time with Paul, I saw him waiting confidently for God to answer him and to end his suffering in this life. Paul's faith was so vivid in our time together that it has had an indelible mark on my heart. Our time with him right in the midst of tremendous suffering was inspiring. At the end of 2021, Paul's lung disease advanced to a place where uh, it was terminal. And it started to be clear to him and to his family that the end of his life was coming soon. But in his waiting, there was a confidence that was so deeply encouraging. A few weeks ago, he had to be hospitalized when they knew that there was nothing more medically that could be done to extend his life with any, uh, any level of quality, he asked to be sent home. 
And so it was last Saturday before we connected with him on Sunday that he arrived at home, hospice was in place. But here's what Paul did. Paul made sure that, that, the, that the medicine that was being given to him to, to make things a little bit less painful, he made sure that it was tempered down enough so that he could, last Sunday morning, sit one-on-one with every one of his family with very little energy left and with each one of his grandchildren and have a purposeful gospel conversation with them. Then he spent time with Pastor Jeremy and I using whatever energy he had remaining to reflect on the goodness of God in his life. He deflected all of the praise about what he had done in his faithfulness. He just deflected it away from himself onto Jesus. Then, in the afternoon, he asked that a friend who he knew didn't know Jesus could come to the house so that he one more time could share the gospel with him. He may have been laying down in that bed, but he was standing in spirit. He left us a legacy for how to lament. He received a cup that he did not want to drink. And he filled that bitter cup again and again and again if you were around him. Again and again and again, he filled that cup with confidence in God's character. It was all that he wanted to talk about. And he led his family boldly in it. If you could see the pride that welled up in their hearts talking about him. Yes, he had times of, of, of godly complaint, wrestling with the diagnosis, not wanting to believe that death was coming so soon. But in those final days, he sat in his bed up high in the house, looking out over the lake, with his wife of 53 years holding his hand, and he took his stand at the watch post. He was stationed on the tower, and he waited confidently for God to answer. The bitterness of death literally stood outside the door, but he was held upright between his faith in God's character and his confidence that God would answer him. The weight of his pain and suffering was so heavy in the room when we were there but the weight of God's glory emanating from his quiet, confident faith was even heavier. In a a day when so often the stories are only told about those who were not faithful to the end, let Paul's story be received in your heart as an example that when we walk rightly with God, we can, even in the most difficult pain and suffering, be faithful to the end. Learn from Paul's last moments. James 4.14 is clear. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. When the pain and suffering are, are washing over your life, stay engaged in your relationship with God. Stay engaged. If your faith is in Christ, your, your lament is always tempered by hope. That, that's what stirs us up in the song we sang right before I stood up to preach this message. We know that the death and resurrection of Jesus has inaugurated a new kingdom. 
And that's a kingdom by the grace of Jesus Christ that we're invited into. And it's begun to be one that we can live in through, our, through the salvation that Christ offers. Because you know, you know, you know that you will be perfectly healed and fully in the presence of God the second you taste death. And Paul is breathing deeply in new lungs and praising God with greater volume than he ever has. Wait confidently for God to answer. If the answer does not come in this life, it is coming in the next life. In bold text, followed by lots of exclamation marks. We have to learn to sit in the balance between bitter and sweet. This is what, this is what God wants us to see this morning, and this is the, 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 the picture of it. We want to walk in the bittersweet moments in this life. And so what we want to make sure that we do is, is that we have the foundation that we affirm God's character. It's been established over time. It is strong. And so we, we, we want to walk with affirmation of God's character. And then God has given us stories. He has poured out cups of of, of bitterness at, at different times through the pain and suffering of sin and death in this life. And what God wants you to do is to not hesitate to express that to him and to write those things down and be honest and authentic with him. The problem is, is that too often we, we write out complaints in a worldly way and so we, we fill our journals with all of this uh, complaining and we just scatter it all over our lives. And it starts to have a, a, a painful impact in our life and it, and it can take us off the rails so fast. But in Christ, godly complaint means that first I affirm in lamenting, I learn to deal with the mess of sin and death by first affirming God's character, expressing fully and completely, not holding back on any aspect of it, all of the stories that have been laid out into my life and as opposed to them being scattered all over my life in ways of anger or denial, instead I express those to God and then on the other side of that, I say I'm waiting for God to answer. And now even though these are the reality of my life, I am not lost, I am not in despair that I cannot operate in instead between the confidence in God's character and my confidence that God is going to answer, I can stand. I can stand. Don't respond with a righteous, uh, with an unrighteous anger against God or a denial that's marked by a superficial smile. Express it to God with raw authenticity and place it between God's character and the answer that is certain to come. When your story of pain and suffering is held between past assurance of God's character and future promise of God's answer, you can stand firm in the present. Stay in the balance. During dark times, learn to lament. 
when you came in here this morning, we gave you a little half sheet because we believe that this is something that we need to be practicing. And maybe some of you are going to write that on behalf of someone else that you're walking alongside who's suffering. Maybe some of you need to work this out. Write your own psalm of lament. There's too few songs of lament in the church today. Let us learn to lament. Let us learn to lament. Let us learn to affirm our confidence in God's character, express our complaints with authenticity, and wait confidently for God's answer. And so I want to finish our time together in this way. I want to pray a prayer of lament over some people right now in our church who maybe are like, I'm, I'm in a spot of pain and suffering. I need this. I need to learn to lament. See, there's, there's something about recognizing that I'm in a place of pain and suffering that in the body of Christ should never be something where we're like hiding it behind our back or expressing it in an unhealthy way. We should have a confidence like, yeah, that's where I'm at right now. And so I want to ask and encourage you in this moment that if that's the place that you're at, I want to see you and pray for you. And so if that's you today, I just want to encourage you just to stand right where you're at right now. Just to say, yeah, Pastor Brian, that's exactly where I'm at. And in the midst of the body of Christ, I have no fear of just standing and saying, that's where I'm at. I just want to encourage you to stand. I want to just pray for you specifically this morning. Anyone. Just wrestling right now. Struggling in a place of pain and suffering. Amen. Let us have courage in this. Let us say, this is where I'm at right now, God, and anyone else who wants to know. Like, it's a struggle and the pain is real. And so if you're around someone who's standing, you just reach your hand out towards them and I'm just gonna lead us in a prayer. Let's pray together. God, I'm asking that you would do a work this morning in the life of the people who are standing right now. And many who, though they didn't stand, know that they're in a season of pain and suffering. God, we have a confidence that you are who you said you are. That you've declared it again and again and again through redemptive history that we are now sitting towards the end of. And we have watched the testimony of your people century after century declare your faithfulness and your goodness, your, your, your deep, constant love, your mercy, your justice, your sovereignty. And God, we declare it, we affirm our confidence in your character. And God, I don't know the specifics of what's going on in the people in this church that are standing right now, but I know in part, and I know some of the stories. God, why? It is painful to watch. It is a heavy burden for these saints to carry. 
And Father, as we stand and recount your, your character, we, we still in the midst of this are like, why does it seem like you're asleep? And we wrestle in this alongside them. Father, let us learn to weep with those who weep. I pray that their expression of their struggle would have voice here and ears that are ready to listen and walk alongside. Space to express it over time. God, help us to all learn to lament and create space for lamenting in our community. And God, would you help these friends to take whatever painful, heavy step is required to get up to that watch post and to station themselves on the tower and with their face focused on your certain answer in this life or in the next, help them to stand firm, waiting patiently, knowing that you will answer them in this life or in the next. And God, we're asking that it would come sooner than later But God, our hope and our confidence is rooted in your character and your promises, and we know they will come. And so give us a faith, Father, that has perspective and is secure. God, lead us all to walk through pain and suffering rightly. Thank you for the example of my friend Paul. Thank you for the way that he has given us a model like Habakkuk did. And I pray, God, that we'd learn to lament rightly so that we might be the people that you've called us to be for your glory. It's in Jesus' name, amen.